What's going on, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 31 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. I said I was going to be sticking to my Friday-Saturday normal schedule, but I kind of lied about last week. I did not get an episode out uh, last Friday or Saturday. And I apologize for that. Um, But it is Saturday of the following week, so I am kind of on schedule, and I'm going to try to keep it on the Friday, Saturday from now on. I've said before, consistency is key, and I know that when I don't put an episode out when I should, it can hurt... uh, it can hurt the audience, the and I can lose listeners. So I got to be better at that. Uh, but I am back now on a Saturday, and there's really not a whole lot going on in sports. This is really a dry spell in terms of sports. The summer, you know, baseball is going on, and, and that's great. But there's it's just such a long season, 160 games, and it's it's really on like eight months out of the year, so it's, you know, it's not much to talk about all the time with baseball, unless big injuries come up, you know, All-Star Weekend, trades, things like that. The NBA, after once free agency is over in the NBA, not a whole lot to talk about, um, other than the, you know, the odd trade or two that may be relevant, something like that. And then the NFL, it is August, which means football is right around the corner. College football is around the corner. Fantasy football is coming up, and I'm really excited. The first NFL game is September 6th, and that is between the Eagles and the Falcons, I believe. That'll be a great game to watch. But like I said, the summer is really just a – like after NBA free agency, it's a really big dry spell. And it, sports is not as exciting. It's not that baseball is not a great sport, and it's not that you know there's not other stuff going on. It's just not as relevant, just because the season starts so long, and there's not as much news to cover, I suppose. But since football is coming up, I do want to start with some college football news and the big talk in college football right now is the investigation going on at Ohio State. Uh, Urban Meyer was placed on paid administrative leave because they're they're looking into an investig they're investigating whether or not he properly reported the domestic domestic violence allegations against his former assistant coach Zach Smith. Now obviously we don't we don't know the whole story. We don't know how long this investigation is going to last, but my philosophy on it is, is if you knew about domestic violence issues, whether it be an athlete on your team or an assistant or someone in the program, if you knew and you didn't report it, you should be fired because essentially you're, you're allowing it to happen. You're condoning it in a way, but if you did know and you did report it, and nothing was done about it, 
then the higher-ups should be fired, the ones that didn't do anything about it. Urban Meyer did release a statement saying he did properly report all incidents to the higher-ups, and nothing was done. Nothing was done with this. This this assistant coach, Zach Smith, was only fired just recently, a couple weeks ago, I believe. So I don't know. It seems kind of fishy because it kind of just came out of nowhere. But these incidents did occur back in 2015. And if you ask me, Based on what he said, if it is true what he has, what Urban has said that he did report everything, I don't think he should be fired, because that means he did his job and he took the necessary steps required to handle the situation. But if it is proved otherwise, through what kind of evidence the investigation brings up, then then it should be then you should move on from Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer has had problems at Florida he had he had problems at Florida and now he's kind of having problems here and that's going to affect if he gets fired it's going to affect his ability to get a head coaching job in the NCAA as far as the NFL goes the NFL may be a route for him because he's an excellent recruiter and he's an excellent offensive coach. And the league now, the NFL is now gravitating towards more offensive coach coaches. So I think he would be a great, he would be a great offensive coordinator in the NFL as well. Offensive coordinator or head coach. Teams might be hesitant to pull the trigger on him just because of these issues. But I think that would be a great route to go if he can't get a job in college football. But as far as Ohio State goes, if they lose Urban Meyer, and let's say they don't get a outstanding coach, I don't think they're going to be very good. Because I think the thing with college football is it is a coaching sport. College football is all about coaching. You have to have co- great coaching to attract the best players in the country. And... That's what it's all about. Nick Saban is an excellent recruiter. He has one of the top recruiting classes every year, and they win championships almost every year. You have to have great coaching in in college football to be good, to be successful. And if Urban Meyer goes and they don't find a substantial replacement, then Ohio State I don't think is going to be that great. There were rumors swirling around that Bob Stoops, the former Oklahoma head coach, would be Ohio State's top target. And Bob Stoops has issues of his own. He had issues of his own back in Oklahoma. And although he is a great coach and a legendary coach, there's there's going to be some baggage. And it's whether or not you want to deal with Urban Meyer's baggage or Bob Stoops's. And... With Bob Stoops, Ohio State, I think, is still going to be a very relevant team, still be very good. But Urban Meyer, to me, is the second-best coach in college football behind Nick Saban. And it's a coaching sport. Now, I'm not saying that 
you know, the Buckeyes have to keep him to be good and to stay relevant. You need to do what is morally correct. If he did not follow certain procedures and he didn't do anything about these domestic violence, domestic violence allegations, then you need to be shipped out the door because that you can't have that. You need to have a program that's based on good morals and does things the right way. Winning, I think, is always secondary to doing things the right way. But we'll see how this turns out. My prediction is that Urban does not get fired. A suspension could be possible, but I, I don't I don't think so. I think it's either going to be he's fired or he's not fired. Now, I do think the athletic director could be fired because supposedly the athletic director did talk to Zach Smith and didn't do anything about it. So if anyone's getting fired, I think the athletic director at Ohio State is going to get fired. I do not think Urban Meyer is going to get fired. Again, we don't know the whole story. We don't know everything about the investigation. But I, th I, I have a strong feeling he's going to remain at Ohio State. Um, I'm going to shift gears. We don't have any NBA news. Like I said, after NBA free agency, the NBA kind of dies down. Um, but I want to shift gears to the NFL now. Uh, Johnny Manziel started his first game in the CFL last night. Uh, he was recently just traded to a, uh, I, I don't know all the teams that are out there. I believe it's Montreal something. I don't know what their name is, but I think they're in Montreal. He was recently just traded there, and he started his first game. And I'll get to why that's a mistake in a minute. But he threw four interceptions in the first half. And I don't think that's I don't think that's all on Johnny Manziel. I think that's on the coaching staff of this team. Because you don't just trade for a guy who is very talented and just throw him into the fire right away without him even really learning the, the playbook. He hasn't even grasped the concept and the schemes of his offense. And you're going to throw him out there and, and just expect him to play well. And I kind of want to compare this to when Jimmy Garoppolo was traded to San Francisco. When the San Francisco 49ers landed Garoppolo, Shanahan didn't want to start him right away. And everyone kept badgering him. When is Garoppolo going to start? When is he going to start? When is Jimmy G going to play? And he said, he's not ready. We need to let him sit for two, three, four weeks and let him get acclimated to the playbook. You can't just throw a guy out there without knowing the playbook and just expect him to play well. And I think that's exactly what happened here. So I do not blame everything on Johnny Manziel. Now, certainly, he's experienced enough to know that some of those throws were very poor throws. But other than the the interceptions, I think Johnny Manziel actually looked decent in terms of his pocket mobility, his pocket pre presence, uh, and 
he didn't look overly flustered. He seemed to be moving well in the pocket and seemed to keep his eyes downfield. I just think he made some poor decisions. And that happens. Players have bad games, but I don't think this was I don't think this is anything to read into. The coaching staff threw him into the fire and he he probably doesn't even know the name of a single play. He probably gets the he probably just knows it's runner pass and he just kind of looks and he he just doesn't know the playbook. And I don't think it's fair to judge Johnny Menzel for a game where he was just thrown into the fire. Kyle Shanahan waited a couple weeks to let Jimmy G get acclimated to the playbook. And then once Jimmy G went out there, he was great. And I think once you give Manziel some time to get used to the playbook and become familiar with it, he'll play a lot better. And a lot of people will say this game is going to hurt his chances of making an NFL comeback. I don't think it I don't think it does hurt his chances. It's one game, first of all. He was just traded, doesn't know the playbook, and he's going to be in the CFL for at least two years. He signed a two-year contract. So he's not going to go to the NFL right away. Give this a couple give this a couple weeks to marinate. And maybe after after a year, we'll reevaluate and we'll see. I still think Johnny Menzel has the talent to be an NFL quarterback. Maybe not starting right away, but I think to be a backup when he comes out of the CFL. And if all of his off-the-field problems are behind him, which it appears they are, which is great for him, if they're behind him, I think he is well worth taking a chance on to not even not only be your backup quarterback for a little bit, but maybe even start because I think he has the talent. He is undersized, but he's got great mobility, great pocket presence, and he's a Houdini with his feet. He's he's very similar to that of Baker Mayfield in terms of play style. Although I think Johnny Menzel is more talented than Baker Mayfield. Don't at me. I think Johnny Menzel is more talented. He's better on his feet. Not as accurate as Baker, but I think he's certainly got a better arm. And uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, I think he's well worth taking a risk on. He's ve- and he's very similar to to a guy like Russell Wilson, who's very much a Houdini on his feet. Certainly doesn't have the arm of Russell Wilson, and he doesn't have all the intangibles and the and the leadership. I don't think. And he's not, and he, Russell Wilson makes far better decisions, obviously, but he's, he's got very similar play styles to those kind of guys. So I don't think it's fair to judge a guy off of one game when he doesn't even know the playbook. Let's let this marinate for a minute. Give him some time to get adjusted. And then we'll reevaluate in a couple years. Once his contract is up, I definitely think he has some NFL potential. And with football right around the corner, uh, that means that the preseason is coming up. The preseason starts next week. 
But we kind of got a little bit of pre-preseason with the Hall of Fame game that was the other night. It was the Chicago Bears taking on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens won 17-16. Um, that's really, that doesn't really matter. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, uh, we got to see a little bit of Lamar Jackson in this game. And RG3. Uh, RG3 is fighting to make a an NFL comeback. RG3 was probably as big a star at quarterback than anybody in, in college football when he came out. And he had a terrific first season with the Redskins, led them to the playoffs, and then had terrible injuries. I think RG3 is definitely talented. Certainly a decent quarterback. He just has injury issues. Uh, and he played all right. But obviously the big story is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson definitely showed a lot of promise. First drive led the Ravens down the field toward a touchdown. And obviously he's playing against second and third stringers, but these are all NFL guys. So certainly looked good on his first drive. Did throw an interception. Was a, a bad throw. But Lamar Jackson definitely looks as mobile as advertised. He definitely made some some shifty plays uh, bouncing out of the pocket. And I do think Lamar Jackson is going to push Joe Flacco very hard for his job. Like, you don't just draft a quarterback in the first round for him to not be your future at some point. And you're not certainly not going to draft him to be your third-string quarterback. He, he will be the second string ahead of RG3. Although RG3 has the experience, you just don't draft a guy in the first round to put him at third on the death chart. So Lamar Jackson will be second. He's going to push Joe Flacco. And the thing about Joe Flacco is he plays very well under pressure. That's why he's so good in the playoffs. That's why he's got the second most playoff wins. As In the AFC right now, Tom Brady has the most playoff wins as a quarterback. And Joe Flacco is second. And that speaks to how good Joe Flacco is in the playoffs. And it seems like when Joe Flacco needs to play well, he plays well. So Joe Flacco will be the starter come week one. But if the wheels start coming off midseason, I would expect the Falcons or the Falcons, the uh, Ravens to pull the trigger on Lamar Jackson and put him out there. He's certainly got all the talent in the world. And like I said before, he's not just a scrambling, he's not a scrambling quarterback by any means. Most of his his runs are by design because of how talented he is. And he's he's very much an in-the-pocket passer, and he's actually got a decent arm. And I think he's certainly got all the talent in the world to be a good quarterback. Maybe not right away, but there's certainly potential. He's got some Tim Tebow in him, and he's certainly got some Mike Vick in him. The speed is very much like Mike, Michael Vick. And Tim Tebow gets a lot of flack for being a bad quarterback. I don't think he was that bad, though. He led the Broncos to a playoff win. The only reason why the Broncos didn't keep him is because they got Peyton Manning, and you're not going to not take Peyton Manning. 
That's just common sense. Tim Tebow gets a bad rap. But I certainly think Lamar Jackson has potential, and we'll see how the season unfolds and whether or not he'll get the play or not, because we know Joe Flacco definitely plays well under pressure. And some other news in the NFL, Des Bryant still has not been signed yet, and we're a month away from the beginning of the NFL season. But there are reports that Des Bryant is in talks with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Browns are the frontrunners to land Des Bryant. Uh, if the Browns got Des Bryant from a talent perspective on paper, it's probably the most talented receiving core in the NFL. Right now, it's it's almost right now. I would say it's near the top. But if you add Des Bryant on paper, that's the best receiving core in the NFL. You got Jarvis Landry, who's a top ten receiver. Dez is a top ten to twelve receiver. And then you have Corey Coleman, who I think is very solid. And Josh Gordon has all the talent in the world, and I certainly think that makes it makes it very easy for a quarterback when you have four receivers who are all so talented. And on paper, this looks great, and on the field, it might be it might work. The only issue is the locker room. Des Bryant is a very animated player. Certainly has some immaturity issues, pouts when he doesn't get the ball. And if you add him to that Browns roster, it can be a bad influence on on some of the young players in that locker room, and especially Baker Mayfield. Because Baker Mayfield might be the starting quarterback for the Browns. I don't think he will be week one. But come middle of the season, if the Browns aren't doing so hot, Baker Mayfield is going to be your starting quarterback. And Des Bryant it certainly doesn't... His personality isn't conducive to player development. He does not make players better. Like Dak looked awful last year in large part because of Des Bryant. Because Dak felt like he had to force feed him. And that led to a lot of Dak's interceptions. And I think it's I think it's unfair to do that to a young quarterback. I think Dez needs to go to a team with a veteran quarterback who makes guys around him better. That's why Tony Romo and Dez worked so well. Because Tony Romo was always very accurate with the ball. That's not a joke. Tony Romo was a good quarterback. And Tony Romo always put the ball in the spot where he knew Dez could get it. Tony Romo understood Dez's tendencies and understood Dez's strengths. And Dak, being a young quarterback, even though he is very smart and he is very good at a young age, it's hard to develop chemistry early on. And I don't think he's he's certainly not the thrower that Tony Romo was. Tony Romo was more of a gunslinger, zipped it down the field. Dak is more of your 
he doesn't throw it's not like a dink and dunk sort of game but he's he throws shorter routes he he throws short middle and tony was more middle and deep so the play style is different and des isn't a very he doesn't have a colorful route tree to say the least it was all slants and and streaks and fades that's really all it was for des and that's hard to deal with when you're a quarterback when you're making your reads now as far as des to the steelers it's a very animated locker room there as well, and he would I think he would fit in better because you know there's already Le'Veon Bell is a is a character in the locker room. Antonio Brown has had issues. Big Ben is a drama queen at sometimes. Mike Tomlin is a very let's say animated coach, I would say. So it's I think he certainly fits in. It's almost like the island of misfit toys in a way uh, in terms of personality. So from a personality perspective, he might fit in. And on the field, it actually may work as well. Uh, Antonio Brown, obviously the best receiver in the league. And then you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who is probably the best young receiver in the league. That's a great one-two punch. But if you add Dez, Dez can... Dez, no matter how down of a year he has, he's going to attract attention no matter what. Just because he's Dez Bryant. He's going to attract attention and and Antonio Brown attracts attention. So they can kind of feed off of each other. And I think it definitely could work and it gives Big Ben another weapon to utilize. As far as fit, I think Dez Bryant fits with the Steelers a lot better. And it would go into the Steelers. That even on paper, that makes them probably the most talented receiving core in the NFL. Most talented receiving cores right now, I would say the Steelers, the Falcons, obviously with Antonio in Pittsburgh and Julio in Atlanta. The Vikings have Thielen and Diggs, who I think are both top 12 receivers. And then the Browns. Those are the the best receiving cores in the league. And if you add Dez to either the Browns or the Steelers, on paper, they're going to be the best receiving core in football. But as far as fit and personality, you just have to wait and see on that kind of stuff. All right. I'm going to shift gears now. We're going to continue my NFL record predictions for the 2018 2019 NFL season. We did the AFC South and the AFC North already. I had Pittsburgh winning the NFC or the AFC North, and I had Houston winning the AFC South. This week we're gonna do the AFC East with the Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, and Bills. The New England Patriots, I have them winning the winning the division. And that should come as no surprise. Uh, that division is Rather weak, to say the least. Uh, and, the, and the Patriots, I have them going 10-6. and six. 
And that is low, but their roster is not very good. They're rebuilding their offensive line. Their running back committee is decent still. They did lose James White, or not James White, Deion Lewis, who I like a lot. But they still have White. They added Sony Michelle. Still got decent running backs. Now, as far as receivers, they don't really have anybody. Julian Edelman's on a four-game suspension. Danny Amendola left for Miami. Chris Hogan will be back. Mike Mitchell, don't really know a lot about him. And Jordan Matthews, who they acquired in the offseason, is now on the injured reserve with with a severe hamstring injury. And they just signed Eric Decker. So the receiving core is not great. Tom Brady's never had an outstanding receiver receiving core, and he can certainly make any receiver good. I mean, he made Chris Hogan look like a star. Uh, and Tom Brady could essentially pull guys from the stands, and they would be great receivers. He could pull me from this office chair I'm sitting in, and I would be a great receiver. That's just how Tom Tom Brady makes all of his receivers look like superstars. That's just how he is. So I'm not worried about their receiving core so much, their their passing game. I am worried about the offensive line. That is a concern. Because Tom Brady is getting of age. He's 41. He takes one hit, and it's over. He, He takes care of his body better than anybody in the league, but you can take one hit. And it could be all over. Anybody can get hurt at any time. It's just how just how it works. So I am concerned about their offensive line. Their defense is also an issue because they only have one player who was who was a Pro Bowler, I believe, and that's Dante Hightower. He's a one-time Pro Bowler, and that's certainly a concern because their defense allows a lot of yards now situationally last year they were great situationally in the red zone but you know it's it's an issue and and there are problems with Brady and Belichick and Robert Kraft too and that's another thing and those issues have not been hashed out so you know, it's it's a it's a matter of when is that going to crumble? When is that going to finally fall apart? And I just I really don't like their roster that much. Brady, as good as he is, can only hold it together for so long. They're going to be decent, but they're certainly not going to be, you know, a twelve and four team. Or 13 and 3. They're certainly not going to be that good. 10 and 6 is more than enough to win the division. So I have them winning the division at 10 and 6. Uh, the New York Jets, I have them at 8 and 8. Uh, it's a question of what, I, I don't know who's going to start a quarterback this year. My gut feeling is it's going to be McCown, Josh McCown, to start the year. Teddy Bridgewater is also a a variable. Sam Darnold looks really good in camp right now, but I just don't know what, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Teddy Bridgewater certainly has the ability. 
It's just I, – I don't know who's going to start a quarterback for them this year. And until we know, you can never really gauge how good they're going to be. Defensively, they have some they have some good personnel defensively. Offensively, it's a little so-so. Uh, they have some decent receivers. So I think a solid number is 8-8. Eight and eight. And last year, I didn't think they were going to win a game. I thought they were going to be god-awful last year. And they overachieved, and they won. I think they won five or six games. And there were several games that were decided by less than 10 points that they lost. If they win those games, they could have been a playoff team. And in this year, a lot of their tough games, their tougher games, the meat of their schedule, is at home, which certainly gives them an advantage. And especially in the, in the colder months, November, December, certainly gives you gives the Jets an edge over their opponents, which is why I favor them a lot more. So the Jets 8-8. Eight and eight. The Dolphins, I have them at 7-9. and nine. Um, Their offensive line isn't great. They lost Pouncey at center, who I thought was really good, and I thought they should have I thought they should have paid him. Ryan Tannehill is coming back, and I, I do like Tannehill a lot. He is just very injury prone, and that's an issue. Uh, and their receivers, they don't I don't know about their receivers. They lost Jarvis Landry, who was top ten in the league, like I said. He's one of the most consistent guys. They do have Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, but they're not Jarvis Landry. They're decent, but they're not Jarvis Landry. Kenyon Drake is a very solid running back. And defensively, they have some solid personnel in the secondary. They have you know, Rashad Jones at one safety, and they just drafted Minka Fitzpatrick. That's a great secondary uh, duo. Uh, at safety, and then they do have Xavier Howard, who is a solid corner. I'm not sure who their other guy is, but as far as their secondary goes, it's really solid. Uh, the rest of their defensive personnel is all right. So I do think seven and nine is a solid number. Seven and nine, eight and eight is around where they have them, or where I have them. I'll go with seven and nine, and then finally the Buffalo Bills. Three and thirteen. We don't know what's up with the with the LaShawn McCoy situation. Quarterback is a question mark. I do think Josh Allen's going to start, but I just I don't know. He he doesn't look great. He's got ex, he's got very high boom potential, but extremely high bust potential too, and. They don't have a great receiving core. Their defense is is a decent defense, but their defense can only do so much when the offense is constantly on the sideline. Josh Allen's going to be the starter, but it's just a question of how good is he going to be, and I don't think he's going to be very good in his first year. So Bill's at 3-13, and and they'll have a great draft pick for next year. 
Oh, and another thing, speaking of good training camps, this is not to do with NFL record predictions. Uh, but I do want to talk about Pat Mahomes. We will get to the AFC West next week in the next episode. But the Chiefs, their starting quarterback this year is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has thrown seven interceptions in six practices, or maybe it's vice versa, six interceptions in seven practices. And that's certainly – and it that's, that's almost what I expected. Because he is a gunslinger. He is very much like a Brett Favre. He's got a cannon for an arm. Probably has the best arm in the league. He probably does. Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen have the best arms in the league as far as getting the ball down the field. It may not be accurate, but they can sling it. And so the Chiefs may have a rough year, but... You gotta let Pat Mahomes just work through the growing pains. He's going to make mistakes when he has the kind of arm he does, and you just gotta give him time. But I don't want to stress on this too much because I want to save some for the record predictions next week. But I just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit because it was talked about this week how Patrick Mahomes' training camp was going. All right, so the Ford food chain is back. And bringing the Ford food chain back, we're going to do the top 10 NFL rosters, in my opinion. And these are teams that are my Super Bowl favorites. These are It's essentially the Ford food chain for top 10 NFL rosters and basically top 10 teams in the NFL. So... We're going to start with number 10, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, They do have the best defense in the league, the best secondary, best defensive line, best linebackers, and it's really not even close. Their offensive line is top five or six in the league. They really spent a lot of money on the offensive line this year. They upgraded a tight end and got Austin Severian Jenkins. Leonard Fournette is a great running back when healthy. And Blake Bortles, I think, is a decent quarterback. He's not a terrible quarterback and certainly can keep the Jaguars above water. I don't love their receiving core. They lost Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns this year. But with that offensive line and with a couple of the receivers they drafted, I think they're going to be all right, and they're certainly going to be a top team in the AFC. I didn't predict them to win their division, but I certainly think they're still a playoff team. Number nine, the Houston Texans. Now, I predicted them to win their division. Deshaun Watson's coming back. J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless are coming back on the defensive end. Lamar Miller is a decent running back. D-Hop and Will Fuller are outstanding receivers when they're healthy. My only concern with the Texans is their offensive line. I don't love their offensive line. But Deshaun Watson masks the odor of how bad their offensive line is with his ability to extend plays and improvise. So I I do like their roster a lot. Their defense is going to be great with JJ coming back. Deshaun Watson's going to be outstanding. And people forget this guy was leading the league in touchdowns through seven weeks. This guy was on fire until he got injured. 
and I expect the same when he comes back. So I have the Texans at nine. Number eight, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben, still a great quarterback, thrives in prime time. Antonio Brown, best receiver in the league. Right now, the Steelers probably have the best or second best receiving core in the league. Le'Veon Bell is a top three running back. Their offensive line is, is a very good offensive line. Defensively, though, is where I don't like their roster as much. They don't have Ryan Shazier, which is a huge void in the middle. I don't like their secondary that much. Their defensive line is a very good defensive line. Cameron Hayward is great. TJ Watts, uh, a great outside linebacker. But not having Ryan Shazier is going to prove uh, harmful to their success. They're certainly going to be a top team in the AFC, probably number one seed in the AFC, just because of how weak their division is. But they're certainly not going to be the team they were last year. Uh, number seven, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, a lot of people would probably flip the Steelers and the Cowboys, but I do like the, the Cowboys have the best offensive line in football. They have a improving young quarterback who is very good. Zeke is a top three running back in the league. Their receiving core is very much, it's, we don't know who their number one guy is. They don't really have a number one, but it looks like they have a, a band of solid guys. Beasley is one of the top slot receivers in the league. Allen Hurd's at, had a 1,000-yard receiving, uh, receiving season in Jacksonville one year. Michael Gallup, out of Colorado State, was a – was it either Colorado State or Colorado? Colorado State. Uh, he looks to be decent, and he's had a terrific training camp. They don't have Jason Witten, which does hurt them. They don't have a tight end. But I think it'll – It'll be fine offensively as long as they, you know, do the ground and pound. It's going to set things up offensively. They did draft a tight end, Dalton Schultz from Stanford, but he was more of a blocking tight end than a pass catcher. So we'll see how that works. But defensively, they have one of the best young secondaries. Jadobe Awuze and Jordan Lewis are terrific young corners that are only getting better. Their linebacking core has improved. Jalen Smith is recovering well from his uh, from his knee injury. Sean Lee is back healthy. And if he can stay healthy, he's one of the top linebackers in the league. And then they drafted Leighton Van Der Esch out of Boise State, who has had NFL comparisons to Luke Keekley. And not just because he's white, but just because of his play style, his strengths and weaknesses. Because he's sort of he's a little bit injury prone like Luke Keekley, but he's he's very very good. So I do like their linebacking core a lot. They do lack a player on the back end. They do lack a safety, and I think Earl Thomas would certainly be a tremendous pickup if they can trade for him. And I do think they will trade for him before the season starts. And they obviously have a great pass rush. Demarcus Lawrence is arguably the best defensive end in the league. Randy Gregory was just reinstated uh, after his uh, drug suspensions. 
David Irving is suspended the first four games for PEDs, but once he comes back, he's going to be a monster. And they do have Taco Charlton and Tyrone Crawford. I think it's a very solid pass rush. They have very solid young corners, very solid young linebackers, and they do have some decent young safeties, but they just they they're lacking that one like alpha male on defense that can really put them over the hump. Offensively, the Cowboys will figure it out, and Dak's going to be better. Number six, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons probably have the best receiving core in football. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and Calvin Ridley. That's a very, very good receiving core. And defensively, they've got some of the best linebackers, best pass rush. Not the best, but one of the best pass rushes. And they have some they have some decent players in the secondary. They've got a very good def, uh, a good defense and offensively they're always a juggernaut and they have that one two punch of Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman and it is lethal. They've got a very well-rounded offense. They kind of struggled last year, but that was because they had a new offensive coordinator, but this year it's going to be a lot better. Things never work out between a a new coordinator and the offense in the first year. It always takes a year. Year two should be a lot better for the Falcons. Number five, the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees is aging like fine wine. He's 39 years old, going on 40, and he looks like he can play until he's 45. Uh, Mark Ingram is suspended the first four games, but Alvin Kamara, I think, is a better running back than Ingram. I think he's Le'Veon Bell 2.0. Could be better than Le'Veon Bell uh, in a few years. They have Michael Thomas, who's a great receiver, top ten, top ten receiver in the league. And their defense, it's really, really good. They just drafted Marcus Davenport, Davenport on the edge, so he'll add to their pass rush. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is a terrific young corner. They've got a really solid team and a legendary duo of Drew Brees and Sean Payton is going to take them a long way into a deep playoff run this year. Number four, the Los Angeles Chargers. Phillip Rivers is has been consistently good for a long time, and they've, they've got a really good roster this year. Their defense might be top five in the league this year. They added Derwin James. They have Casey Hayward at corner. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are as good as it gets in terms of pass rush. They might have the best pass rush in the NFL. Offensively, they've revamped their offensive line. Their offensive line looks good. Melvin Gordon is a top 10 running back in the league. They have just an outstanding, well-rounded roster. They did lose Hunter Henry to a torn ACL, so they do have a void at tight end, but Phillip Rivers is good enough to live without that, and he will make it work. And I definitely think the Chargers are going to be, they're probably going to have the second best record in the AFC this year. And they, they play in a tough division, but I certainly think they're going to be very good this year. And this could be the year that Phillip Rivers finally makes a playoff run. Number three, and these top three, you could flip-flop them any way you want to. 
uh, uh, this is just my personal opinion. I have the Eagles at number three. Uh, Carson Wentz is coming back. He's going to be terrific. They have the best committee of running backs in the NFL. They have some decent receivers, an outstanding offensive line that's number two behind the Dallas Cowboys. And their defense is top five in the league as well. And they're certainly going to make another run at a Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl this year. It is extremely difficult to repeat as Super Bowl champs. It's not like the NBA where you can win three, you can have three peats like the Warriors, like the Lakers, like the Bulls, like the Heat. It's very difficult to to win Super Bowls in the NFL. But I think they're certainly going to be very good, and they certainly have a top three. May, it might even be the best roster in the league, but as far this is just how I ordered it. Number two is the Minnesota Vikings. They, uh, Their defense last year was as good as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense is outstanding. They have a ton of guys locked up. Xavier Rhodes is a great corner. And Trey Waynes is another really good corner as well. Their defense is outstanding. Like I said, it's top of the league with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their receiving core is a, is top three in the league with Thielen and Diggs. Kyle Rudolph is a top five tight end in the league. And they, I don't, I don't know if it's an, it's a slight upgrade at quarterback. They overpaid for him, but it's, a, it's an upgrade at quarterback just by a hair. And Kirk Cousins, with Dalvin Cook coming back, their good offensive line and their defense and their receiving core, they're going to be very, very good. And they're going to be battling with the Packers in the NFC North. And finally, the best roster in the league, in my opinion, is the Los Angeles Rams. They're essentially a super team. I mean, if you look at them on offense, they have a great offensive line. They have Andrew Whitworth at tackle. They're, they're tight ends. They have a committee of tight ends that are very decent. Todd Gurley, top three in the league. I would say Le'Veon, Gurley, and Zeke are the best three running backs in the league. Their receiving core got better this year by adding Brandon Cooks. They have Cooks locked up for the foreseeable future. Robert Woods is a very good receiver. Jared Goff has the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. And he is he's only going to keep improving with how good his receiving, his receiving core is. And then their defense is just completely loaded. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. He's playing defensive tackle. Right next to him, you have Ndamukong and Sue, who once was the best defensive player in football. But now he's he's a little bit older. The Rams traded for Marcus Peters, who might be the best cover corner other than Jalen Ramsey in the NFL. And then you have Aqib Tlaib on the other side, who is like 34 years old. But I would much rather have Aqib Tlaib than... A lot of other corners in the league. He is very experienced. Yes, he's he's older and he's more susceptible to injury, but I would certainly much rather have him for one year than a 
than someone someone else. They're essentially a super team, and that's why I think they have the best roster in the league, and that's why I think they have a tremendous shot to win the NFC this year and make it to the Super Bowl. All right, that's it for the Ford Food Chain. Those were the top 10 rosters slash best teams in the NFL, in my opinion, and that is one month out from the season starting. Uh, but that is it for this week's show, everyone. I am sorry about getting this episode out late. I am not sticking to my weekly routine. It seems like every 10 days I I put out an episode. I need to get back to every week, every Friday, Saturday. Uh, so I will definitely be better at that. Uh, right now, football's coming up, everyone. It's going to be very exciting once September hits. But right now, it's kind of a little dull. Not much excitement. There's not a lot going on. But hey, the grind never stops here on the Will Ford Show. I'm always going to try to try my best to push content out to you guys. Uh, we will see you next Friday or Saturday. Thank you for listening, guys. Make sure you... Uh, rate and review this show on iTunes. I checked recently, and I have—I don't think I've had a single review on there. So please give me some feedback, everyone. Please, I would greatly appreciate it. I want to hear your thoughts. Also, like and comment on SoundCloud. You can do it there. Check me out on both of those. Thank you for listening, guys. It's WFS.